Good morning. I'd like to welcome those guests and visitors and those listening on the radio today to worship at First Church. The announcements for today are as follows. The annual meeting to elect officers here reports from trustees, the treasurer and committees to approve the proposed budget for 2019 is following today immediately, is following the service today immediately. There will be no breakfast. We will be staying in the sanctuary. Child care will be available during the meeting in the ministry center, and Sunday school students should report to the ministry center as well. The annual report and the pastor's reports are available at the entrances and the back of the info table. They contain all the information we will be discussing and voting on today. Feel free to grab one and look it over before the meeting starts. Our new Bible study, Jesus Among the Secular Gods, starts next Sunday, February 3rd, in the Ministry Center. If you didn't sign up for a book, that's okay. Just show up and we'll have more on hand. There is a wonderful Wednesday's meeting tomorrow night, January 28th, in the Ministry Center at 7.30. And the blue jug on the front steps down here is for Shannon Rediger's Leadership Training School. She is already in Georgia and her classes have begun. Please join me in the call to worship, Psalm taken from Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech and they have no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voices go out to all the earth. Their words to the end of the world. In the heavens God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving life to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, and the glory forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned, in keeping them there is great reward. But who can discern their own Keep your servant also from all sickness. May they not rule over me, and I will be blameless, innocent of great transgressions. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord my God and my Please stand and join us in singing hymn number 270, Wonderful Worlds of Life.
As the children come up for children's chat, take this time to greet your neighbor. Good morning. We got a small group this morning. All right. So what are the Ten Commandments? Evan, you got an idea? God. Yep. God. There are some rules. Now, who gave us the Ten Commandments? God. God did. And who did God give them to? Us. Yeah. And he gave them to Moses. So today we are talking about the Fifth Commandment. Do any of you know what the Fifth Commandment is? No? It's honor your father and mother. So in Ephesians 6, 1 through 3, it explains it this way. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the fifth commandment, with the promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. So what does it mean to obey? Listen, yep. Do what they ask, right? Is it always easy to obey your parents? No. No? Why not? Because you just don't want to do what they're asking? No. (laughs) Are your parents the only ones that you need to obey? No. Who else do you need to obey? God and Jesus. God and Jesus. But who else? Your dad. Your dad? He's the parent. How about your teachers and your grandparents and your Sunday school teachers? So do your parents have to obey people too? Yeah. Who do they have to obey? They have to obey their boss. Yeah, their boss. <laughs> do your parents still have to obey their parents? Yes. Yeah. Yep. My mommy, my mommy's, um, is our grandma. Yeah. So what do you do when your parents tell you something that you don't want to do? You don't listen. That's not good. Do you pout? No. Do you cry? No. No. no? So you always listen, Leah? No. No? Do you ever talk back to your mom and dad? Does this please Jesus? No. How can we honor our parents better? Listen. Listen. Obey them. Maybe do something the first time they ask. And don't ignore them when they ask you to do something. Yeah. So we need to practice obeying and listening to our parents better. Okay? All right, let's pray. Dear Jesus, Thank you for getting us all here safely today. Please help us to obey our parents even when we don't want to. Please keep us safe and healthy this week. Amen. Killed recently in Syria. Chief Warrant Officer, Second Class, Jonathan R. Farmer, 37, from Boynton Beach, Florida. Chief Triptologic Technician Shannon M. Kent, 35, from Pine Plains, New York. Department of Defense official Scott A. Wirtz, 42, from St. Louis, Missouri. Killed in Afghanistan, Sergeant Cameron A. Maddock, 26, from Spearman, Texas. Staff Sergeant Joshua Z. Beal, 32, from Carrollton, Virginia. Also lost in the last weeks. In New Mexico at McGregor Range, Corporal Cole Trevor Wixom, 24, from Bloomingdale, Michigan. Private First Class Jamie R. Riley, 21, from Fairhaven, New Jersey. In Texas, from Fort Hood, Sergeant Kelton Sphaler, 25, 
from Cross City, Florida. In Florida, Chief Fabian L. Dosen, 49, from Latina, Latana, Florida. In Korea, Staff Sergeant Alexander Mitchell, 26, from Weston, Idaho. In Utah, Captain Corey C. Holmgren, 35, from Tremonton, Utah. In Alaska, at Fort Wainwright, Specialist Ashvin Slaughter, 24, from Houston, Texas. Thank you, Jay. Let's pray together. Father, on days like this, when we are reminded of the the price that people have paid for serving our country and for our freedoms, Lord, uh, days like today, which are also a Holocaust Remembrance Day, Lord, reminded of the brokenness that our world uh, experiences on a daily basis, uh, the effects and consequences of sin, not always of our own, but of others, then the decisions that they have made, Lord, affect our world, our communities, our own lives in ways that are unimaginable sometimes. And so, Lord, we ask for your grace. We ask that you would work in this world in such a way to to keep evil at bay and, and work, Lord, to to bring peace and justice and, and your kingdom uh, in this world. Lord, help us to be a part of that. Help us to stand strong in your, in your word and your truth, uh, when it's needed, Lord, and, and help us to, to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth as you call us to be, and, and pointing people to the reality of your goodness, your gospel, your kingdom. And Lord, I pray that it would, it would, we would see glimpses of that in, in the world today. Lord, we pray for comfort and peace for those who have lost loved ones recently that are going through the pain of, 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 of separation and of missing people, Lord. And we ask that your spirit would comfort them uh, through this process. We also ask, Lord, for your healing hand to be on people who are feeling the effects of illness and, and cancer and, and other physical uh, ailments, Lord. We ask that you would heal them uh, Lord, first and foremost, we ask, we thank you for the many doctors and nurses in our own communities, Lord, that that help and, and are often the that your hands and feet at work, Lord, in this process. And we ask, Lord, that uh, you would provide all that is needed for them and and all that's needed for for the members of our church and our community who are experiencing these these hardships. Lord, we know that your grace is sufficient for us even in these difficult times, even when we are experiencing the reality and the consequences of sin and illness and, and other worldly problems, Lord. And so we ask that your spirit would, would guide us and comfort us. Help us to endure, Lord, um, the days as they, uh, the hard days in our lives and help us to rejoice and thank you, Lord, in the good moments as well. Lord, let us not forget that you, uh, every good and perfect gift comes from you and that even in our hard times, there is something to, to celebrate. There is something to remember, Lord, and that is uh, your love for us. Uh, and that is something that this world, no matter how hard or difficult our lives may be, uh, that is something that this world can never take away. The love that you have for us in Christ Jesus. There is nothing in all of creation that can separate us from that as your word teaches us. So thank you, Lord, uh, for that promise and that hope in the midst of dark times. Lord, we also acknowledge that this day as we gather as your church, uh, to worship you and praise you. We also gather as your church here at First Church uh, to do the business and, of your church at the annual meeting. So we ask for your guidance and your wisdom to be with us as we discuss uh, budget and, and, and committee reports and those things, Lord. Uh, we thank you for the many people who have served faithfully over this past year and those that will be stepping into leadership positions in the, come, in the year to come. We ask for your, your will to be done here, Lord, in this church. Uh, and help us all as individuals and as your body together uh, to seek after you and your kingdom uh, first and foremost. Well, Lord, we thank you for all these things. We pray now in the name of Jesus uh, and the powerful, wonderful, amazing name uh, that that is. And we do so as he taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. 
At this time, I invite all those who are able to stand with us and join, and join us in singing number 272, Thy Word. those who are helping with the offering to come forward at this time. We're also excited to have Adam and Aaron Rohrbaugh uh, providing special music for us this morning. Let's take a moment and thank God for his blessings together. Uh, Father, we are so grateful that you have blessed us in so many ways. And so this offering, Lord, is a, is a, is a giving back to you out of the abundance that you've given us. Lord, I pray that you would take this offering, uh, use it for your kingdom and for your glory in this place. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.
scripture reading this morning is from Exodus 20, verses 1 through 12. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above, or on the earth beneath, or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of their parents to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Thank you. You may be seated. Father, we come to you this day uh, just grateful for your goodness towards us. And we ask that you would uh, bless this time that we have now to open your word together and to study it. I pray as we continue our discussion of the Ten Commandments that in it, in in all things, Lord, uh, we would learn to love you more, uh, serve you with all that we are, and uh, and that your spirit would guide us as as we uh, as we discuss these things. I pray that you give me words to speak now when you open up our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us. It's in Christ's name that we do pray. Amen. First of all, I want to say it's so nice to see a few more of your smiling faces here this morning than we're here last week as we had all of this winter weather to to deal with and to contend with. Um, I made an observation uh, earlier this week. I realized that for some reason since I've been here, this is my third winter now uh, here in New Knoxville, um, all the bad weather seems to happen on Saturdays. Have you guys noticed that? Seems like seems like all of the snow, all the ice, all the cold seems to come in on the weekends uh, and, and really kind of messes with our plans sometimes on Sundays. Uh, and so last week, uh, many other churches and and i i understand why were 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 closed and 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 we decided to stay open we obviously canceled the annual meeting which is now today instead uh but one of the reasons that we decided to remain open because was because we knew that uh, no matter how bad the weather was, Bob and I could walk across the street, right, and 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 get the service on the radio, if nothing else. And it was just a reminder again to me how important uh, that radio ministry is, and what a blessing that is to uh, to people, uh, not only in our own church but in the community and the in the surrounding communities as well. Uh, we did hear some uh, feedback from from people that weren't part of our church that were, were blessed that we had our service and were still able to broadcast on the radio um, last week, even with the bad weather and other churches not being able to to hold their services. And so I'm grateful for everyone uh, who who managed to be here. I think there were 35 of us total last week. So what a blessing to have have you all here and, and all that were able to still be here to help make that service possible so that we could be on the radio and, and let that uh, let God's word and his uh, his worship go out to those who weren't able to physically be with us like it does every other week. Um, what a blessing to have that ministry and, and to be able to be a part of that. Um, so today we're going to continue our conversation, continue talking about the Ten Commandments here. Uh, this is commandment number five, and, and in this uh, commandment we see a transition from the four that we've talked about so far and, and the second half of these commandments that we will be beginning uh, to talk about today. Uh, numbers one through four really dealt with our relationship with God and how we understand and relate to him as our creator and our redeemer and savior. You, as, as, you, as you just heard read for us, we were... Uh, informed in the first four commandments that we should have no other gods before him, that we should not make idols or graven images of the Lord. Uh, we should not misuse his name or take it in vain. 
and that we should remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Those are all have to do with how we relate to God and how we, how we live within the framework of that relationship that He desires to have with us. And, and as we learn to live into and live out of those commandments, our relationship with God will grow and, and grow deeper and, and we will mature in that. And so as, as we look at commandment number five, we see that the, the transition has taken place here now. We're not dealing so much with how we relate to God, but we're dealing now with how we relate to other people. Uh, and, and we will see that trend continue with commandments number five through ten. And as I mentioned before, it bears repeating, this uh, pattern is really where, where, in a sense, Jesus gets uh, for when he is asked in, in Matthew chapter 22 what the greatest commandment is. Right, people were expecting him to focus in on one of the, the hundreds of commandments that were found in the Old Testament. And instead, Jesus gives them two. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That is the first and greatest commandment. And, and we see that as, as, a, as a basically encapsulation of what commandments number one through four were all about. But then Jesus goes on to say, he says, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. For all the law and all the prophets hang on these two commands. In essence, Jesus was summarizing the Ten Commandments down to two. Love God and love your neighbor. And so so we've talked about Numbers 1 through 4, which help us understand what it means to love God and be in a relationship with Him. And now we will begin to talk about what it means to truly love our neighbor as ourself. And, and what that what the practical implications of that actually are. And I believe there's a reason that this second table, the second half of the Ten Commandments, begins with number five, to honor your parents, to honor your father and mother. It's because just as as number one was foundational to understand how we are to relate to God, in other words, having no other gods before Him, uh, what it means to honor our parents or more broadly speaking, honor those who are in authority over us helps us to understand and provides that ground, uh, that foundation for what it means to truly love others as ourselves. There needs to be honor and respect and love that is a part of, of what it means, excuse me, honor and respect and gratitude is, is a part of what it means to love uh, our neighbor. And so, so really this honoring Honoring those in authority over us, honoring our parents is foundational for what it means to truly love others as ourselves. And so let's just jump right in here to, to what it means to honor our parents. Uh, as I mentioned already, honor has a lot to do with love and obedience and gratitude. And, and the word there really is, is about, uh, it's, it's the word, for, the Old Testament word for glory, uh, which is in a, in a, in a secular sense has to do with weightiness. It's, it's, it's the heaviness. There's, there's a lot of, there's, in a sense, a lot of responsibility to that word. Um, it's a very weighty thing, very important thing. We, we, we as, as people, should give our parents the, the glory, the honor, the, the love, the obedience, the gratitude that they deserve. And, and I don't want to stand up here and overcomplicate things for us either. Honoring your parents is, is as simple as obeying them, right? We, we just heard children's chat cover that very same topic, right? And, and we, it can be easy for us to begin to explain away our obedience or explain away our love or gratitude towards those who have cared for us from our childhood. But we don't want to overcomplicate it. It really is, in a sense, as simple as doing what your parents desire of you to do. Um, the problem is, is that that submission and obedience are not very popular words, are they? They're not very easy to swallow for us because they, they go against our, our human nature, our broken and, and sin-infected human nature. Uh, we don't want to be obedient to someone else. We don't want to submit to someone else. In fact, we see that authority has been an issue for, for us as human beings from the very get-go. All the way back in Genesis chapter 3, with the original sin in the garden, we see that it ultimately came down to a problem with God's authority. I want to read Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. So now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had, God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the, from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. 
You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Notice here what the, the underlying issue is in this whole scenario. It's, it's the un, unwillingness to submit to God's authority, right? It's idolatry, right? By, we're replacing God with, with ourselves and our own idea of what is right and wrong. Uh, and, and out of that idolatry comes this unwillingness to submit and be obedient like we should. Right? God would clearly commanded them in, in Genesis chapter 2 not to eat from that tree. And yet through this, through this temptation and their own decision, they decided to, to eat from it anyways. They decided to choose what was best for themselves or what they thought was best for themselves instead of submitting to God's authority. And so, so when we're talking here about honoring our parents and honoring those in authority over us, this commandment really goes to the heart of what sin is all about, and that is that rejection of authority, rejection of, of some outside influence on our lives. And that problem creeps up in our relationship with God, but it also creeps up in our relationship with our earthly parents and earthly authorities. And notice, what was the result? Remember, what was the result of of their disobedience in the garden, what was the what were the, the what was the consequence of their decision to disobey God? They were removed from the garden, right? They were removed from that promised land. And so it's interesting here that this is a commandment that has a promise attached to it, as Paul mentions in Ephesians chapter six, verses one through three. Right? This commandment has a promise attached that we will live long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. It may go, it may live long in the, yeah, may live long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. In a sense, this, this promise is almost speaking to, it's a reversal of that curse that, that God, uh, reversal of the consequences, I should say, of the fall, right? They were removed from, from that land, from the Garden of Eden, and, and, and fulfilling and living out our commandment, our response to authority here. It's almost like, when this happens, that we'll, that we'll begin to see a reversal of the consequences of the fall. Not completely, of course, not totally, but, but we'll see a reversal here in a sense. I believe that's what God is trying to, to get at here with this promise. And we'll speak more about that in just a moment. But a disobedience and refusal to submit to authority continues to be a problem uh, for God's people. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 21, uh, Moses here directly addresses uh, the issue of a rebellious child. Um, and I want to read these words for you in just a moment, but just know that these are pretty serious consequences for disobedience. In Deuteronomy and other parts of the Pentateuch, uh, Moses goes on to kind of flush out and explain and the, the implications of the Ten Commandments. And, and so here we see him beginning to flush out the implications of someone who is, who is breaking the Fifth Commandment, is disobedient or dishonoring their parents. Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 18. It says, If someone has a stubborn and rebellious son who does not obey his father and mother and will not listen to them when they discipline him, his father and mother shall take hold of him and bring him to the elders at the gate of his town. They shall say to the elders, This son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey us. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of the town are to stone him to death. You must purge this evil from among you. All Israel will hear of it and be afraid. Now, first of all, we are no longer under those obligations of the Old Testament, that civil law of, of disobedience. So I'm, I'm not saying to stone your children if they're disobedient, right? That is not what God intends for us in this passage. But, but it is, it just goes to show the seriousness, right, of, of, of this command, this concern that God has for, for disobedience and dishonoring those in authority over us. God does take it seriously. And it's, in fact, this passage, um, as, as we read this, and, 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 and it teaches us how serious God is about it, it just goes to show and makes the story of the prodigal son all that more powerful, doesn't it? What does Jesus teach us in the parable of the prodigal son? There was a rebellious and disobedient son who disowned his father, right? Who basically told his dad, you're as good as dead to me. Just give me my inheritance and let me go. And the father did. 
he let him go. Gave him his money and, and he took off. He went to a foreign country and it says he, he lost it all. In fact, he found himself in such destitute circumstances that he was, he had hired himself out on a pig farm and was even eating or desired to eat the, the, the pig slop that was, he was feeding to the, the herd. And it's in that moment that he realizes his father's servants are, are, are better off than he is now. And so he has given up his right as a son, so he may as well go back and beg and plead that his father would receive him back as a servant so he can earn his keep and at least, at least sustain himself in that way. And like any good uh, member of Israel, Jewish people, he would have known Deuteronomy chapter 21, verses 18 through 21. He would have known the consequences of a rebellious and, and disobedient child. And so he was, in a sense, risking his life by returning to his father, especially having, having rejected him in, in such a serious way as he had done before. And so as he's returning home, he's, he's putting a story together. How is he going to explain this? How is he going to, how is he going to talk his way back into his father's good graces and at least allow enough to allow him to be a servant? And so as he's approaching, he sees his father, the father sees him coming from a distance and runs and embraces him, welcomes him back into the family, doesn't allow the son to, to even go through his prepared speech, but, but embraces him and throws a robe on him and, and kisses him and hugs him. And he says, this son of mine who is dead is now alive. Let's throw a party. Let's have a feast. That's God's grace right there. Right? That's, what, that's a picture of God's grace. Where we deserve death for our disobedience, God offers us life because Christ has taken that punishment upon Himself. Right? He died so that we may live. And that story of the prodigal son just is, in a, is a picture of, of what that looks like. And so to honor our parents is, is to live in obedience and submission to them and to do what they desire for us to do. But this does change over time, doesn't it? How a, how a four-year-old honors their mother and father is different than how a 40-year-old honors their mother and father, Right? That's, that will change over time, and it should change over time. The commandment does not change, but how we live it out does. And so adult children, too, must honor their parents as they are best able to do, but they're not bound to obey them as they were when they were a kid. So we as adult children should honor our parents when, and obey them when possible, but parents should also ex- shouldn't expect the same level of obedience from their adult children as they did from their kids. That relationship grows and changes over time. But it is the responsibility of the children to continue to care for and love their parents. In Matthew chapter 15, Jesus confronts this practice of the Pharisees and other religious leaders that that allowed them to get out of caring for their parents by devoting or giving their time and their resources to, to the temple instead. And Jesus confronts them about the hypocrisy. You know, in a day and age when there was no Medicare or retirement plans or nursing homes, right, to take care of people in those situations, it was the responsibility of the children to care for their parents. And there were people that were, were, were refusing or neglecting their responsibility and claiming to be serving God in, the, in, in doing so. And Jesus confronts them and says, that, that is hypocritical. We should, be, we should both serve God and give back to Him as well as take care of our parents. In other words, it's not about just giving God lip service, but it's about actually living out and obeying Him through our actions. We have to continue to honor, honor God and honor others, specifically our parents, through our commitment to them. So we can't neglect the responsibility that we have to continue to honor for our parents as adult children. And children will test the limits too. Think of our kids, our, especially our teenagers, right? They will push and push and push because they want to know where the boundaries are. They want to know where the limits are. It's natural for them to, to test the waters. And it's, it's in those moments that we need to, as parents, right, help them to know where those boundaries are and be clear about those things. Right, children need parents, not friends. 
They had plenty of friends at school. They have plenty of friends, you know, in other places. What parents need or what children need are are parents who can set those boundaries and set those limits for them. It's important, especially during those teenage years. Right? Teens, we, we they think they know everything, right? Right? They, you know, I, I remember my pastor that I worked with before when I was serving as a youth pastor used to tell, used to remind me, right, as, as you're dealing with high schoolers, right, remember that, that they haven't realized that they don't know everything yet, right? And it's true. We still fall into that same trap as adults, too, if we're honest with ourselves. And it's often in the teen years when we, as teenagers, right, think that we don't need our parents anymore. We've got life figured out. We have it all. We have all the answers, and so we don't need our parents. It's in that moment that parents they need you the most. Parents, you need to make sure you're involved in their lives, and 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 as they're pushing back, you need to make sure you're there to help them and guide them through that time in their lives. Kids, teenagers, we they need their parents most when they think they need them the least. So don't give up on them. And teens, I'll speak to you as well. Your parents were teenagers once too, believe it or not. Right? They actually do know what they're talking about most of the time. And so be great. And, 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 and so we need to listen to that. You need to listen to them. You need to hear their advice. And we all, you also need to be grateful for their self-sacrifice. Being a parent is all about giving of yourself and giving of yourself for the best of your family and specifically for your children. And so we, so kids, teenagers, even adult children need to recognize that and be grateful and thankful to their parents for all that they've given to make their life possible. But there's also responsibility here that falls on the parents too. You know, this commandment is not a get out of jail free card to demand whatever you want and get away with it. Right? To, there's a responsibility here, uh, in this commandment, you know, honor your mother and father. The, the, the responsibility is, as a parent, to be worthy of that honor and respect that God is, is demanding of them. And so with, you know, there's this great responsibility on the parent's side to set a positive Christ-like example for children to follow. So parents, you need to love well. You need to set that example. You need to extend grace where it's needed. Because that is setting the example and setting the tone for your children to follow. And they will learn about what it means to be a parent from you as they grow, grow older, whether they realize it or not. We also need to remember that no one is perfect. Parents especially, right? We make mistakes. We're not perfect. We're going to fall short. But also know that God can even use our mistakes. And, and, and those moments of failure can turn into uh, moments of grace. And moments of forgiveness and, and God's love being made known and made real in those times. And so, and so children, we need to be patient with our parents' failings and extend them grace as well. See, family is so important because, because the, that family unit is where children first learn what it means to relate to others and relate specifically to people who are in authority over us. And so those formational years are very important. And that's, again, why I think commandment number five heads the list of how we are to relate to other people. But does this commandment only relate to our parents? No, I think this is an example of how we are to relate to all people in authority over us. Our parents just happen to be the first people we encounter in life that are in that position. But there's plenty of others who, who we will encounter in our lives that have positions of authority over us, and we need to relate to them and give them that same sort of honor and respect that they deserve as well. That applies to people in authority over us, such as our government, uh, within the church, our employers, or other examples you may think of. And in fact, the New Testament is littered with examples of, of, of encouragements and commandments to obey those in authority over over us, including passages like Hebrews 13.7, uh, 1 Peter 5.5, 5, Titus 1.1, 1, 1, uh, 1 Peter 2.17, and Romans 13.1-7. Those are just some examples uh, of, of uh, Scripture commanding us to obey and, and honor those who have been placed in authority over us. In a sense, it can be summed up in, in Jesus' exchange with the teachers and, re, and religious leaders in Mark 
chapter 12, verses 13 through 17. This famous quote where, where Jesus encourages people to give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Again, that's Mark 12, 13 through 17. It says, later they sent some of the Pharisees and the Herodians to Jesus to catch them in his words. They came to him and said, teacher, we know that you are a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are, but you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. <laughs> Setting them up here, aren't they? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? Right, they're trying to trap Jesus here. They're trying to, to pin him in a corner. And, and, and a little bit of background helps us understand this. The Pharisees were, were not fans of Rome. Right? Pharisees as a whole were not fans of, of Rome and the, and the leadership that they had put in place there. But the Herodians were supporters of Rome and the government. And so really, these are, these are, this is an example of the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Right? And so they were working together here to try to trap Jesus because no matter how they respond, how he responded, they were going to be mad. One of, one or the other was going to be upset. If Jesus said, pay your taxes, then the, then the Pharisees would have been upset. If Jesus says, don't pay your taxes, the Herodians would have been upset. And so really Jesus, in a sense, is in a no-win situation here. But how does he respond? Jesus knew their hypocrisy. Why are you trying to trap me? He asked. Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. They brought the coin and he asked them, whose image is this and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then Jesus said to them, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. And they were amazed at him. You know, this isn't a passage about whether, how much you should pay in your taxes come April 15th, right? That's not what this passage is about. It's about recognizing authority and that there are earthly authorities that we are called to respect and honor. And when it is appropriate and when we are able, we should give them their due. But ultimately, we belong to the Lord. It's His image that is engraved in us. And we ultimately belong to Him, and He is our ultimate authority. But when and if we are able, we, we need to give respect and honor and author- to those in authority over us here in this world. The sad reality, though, is that authority can be abused, can it? People in authority can, can take that power and, and, and use it for their own good or for their own purposes instead of using it as they should to, for the good of all. And so we need to, be, we need to first of all, always remember that, that we are called to obey God first. Right? The first commandment is the first commandment for a reason. You shall have no other gods before me. And so when we are put in a position to decide between an earthly authority, whether it's our parents, our government, our, our boss at work, um, even within the church, when it's when it's called to when we're called to make a decision between following an earthly authority and following a clear commandment from the Lord that we see in Scripture, we should always obey the word the word of the Lord first. He comes first in our lives. And so if I ever stand up here and tell you to do something that is clearly wrong in Scripture, don't listen to me. <laughs> Listen to Scripture. Listen to God's Word because He is the final and ultimate authority in our lives. We should always obey Him first and foremost. And even though authority can be abused at times, we also need to remember that we can still honor and respect authority even when we disagree with it. Worthy or unworthy, we can still respect those who are put in leadership above us. And I believe this is in reality, it's a lost skill in our culture. Right? It doesn't mean that just because you disagree with someone doesn't mean that you hate them. Just because you love someone doesn't mean you always agree with their decisions that they make. Any parent in the room can agree with that sentiment, right? But we've lost this ability to separate you know, the, 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 the decisions people make with our attitude toward them. Right? We can still respect and honor and give uh, and obey when able those who we disagree with. Right? No matter what form of authority or, or leadership that we are talking about here, you know, you're not always going to agree with your parents when you're a kid, but you can still obey them. You're not always going to agree with the direction of, of the government, but we can still obey when we can and able to do so. Right? We have to learn that we can still 
honor and respect and treat people with Christ-like love no matter who they are or, or what decisions that they make. And so, you know, we have an opportunity, right, in, in our country, we are blessed to, to, to have a say in, in a lot of things. We're going to gather at our, as a congregation here after the service and vote on things that, that affect the church. And we as, have a responsibility to, to be involved in that as church members, right? We have a say, we can have our voice heard, and we can have a discussion and be able to do those things in a civil way and filled with humility, we live in a country where we have the blessing and opportunity to have a voice in our government and say, and we can vote and we can impact things by affirming or criticizing what is going on. But in whatever, whatever you do or however you approach it, it needs to be done with respect and civility and, and humility. That is what it means to honor those in authority over us, even when we disagree with them. And so that, that, re, that points us to the fact that there's a bigger perspective here. Right? We're called to submit to all earthly authority, whether it's our parents or the church or the government or our boss at work, as we do to the Lord. Ephesians 6 and, and Colossians 3 remind us that as we obey our parents, we're doing it as to the Lord or we're doing it in a way that pleases the Lord. And so as we, as we learn to submit to earthly authority, we're in a sense practicing what it means to submit to our heavenly authority, to God. And so submission to, to those that God has placed in authority over us is a step towards what it, putting into practice what it means to submit to God in all things. And I said I would get back to this, this promise, this promise of long life. Now we know from, from observation that this promise is not specifically about the number of years a person lives. It's not a chronological promise. Because we know the sad truth is that, that there are people that don't live long lives. There are people that are really good at honoring their mother and father, but they unfortunately don't get to see their old age. And so this promise is, is something different. It's, it's got to be something more than just living to a certain age or getting a certain number of years under your belt. I think what this promise is really alluding to is, is the quality of life, not the quantity of life. It's about a, the, a kind of abundant life that Jesus promises in John 10.10 when he says that the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give life and give it to the fullest. Give it in abundance. You see, this commandment, and really all ten of them, describe what is the best God-designed way to live. It reflects the way that the world works apart from the brokenness of sin, Right? Think about your car or your computer or any other uh, device that you may have. It was created and intended to work in a specific way. And when you follow those rules, when you follow those instructions, it will work to the best of its ability. But when you start driving your car like a mad person, when you start forcing it to do things it was never meant to do in the first place, your car's not going to last that long. You're going to wear out the engine or the transmission or the tires or whatever, right? It's only when you, when you drive it and, and take care of it in the way that it was meant to, when the way it was created to be taken care of and operated, will you see that extended long quality of life from your product. And we were made and created to live in a certain kind of way. And when we, when we live in opposite of that, we see the effects of that. We see the friction that comes from living contrary to the way we were created. But when we live in accordance to the way God has made us, as it's reflecting here in the Ten Commandments, we will see good come out of that. Doesn't mean it's going to be perfect, but we will see good come out of it. The more we learn to live as we were designed to live, the better our life will be. So if you want to experience the good life, if you want to know what life is meant to be like, it begins with learning to honor our parents and those in authority over us. That's, it begins with relating to others with that sort of frame of reference. So I want to close this by encouraging you with, with some words from uh, Pastor Kevin DeYoung. He, he mentions in his book on the Ten Commandments, there's four words that we need to learn in order to better live out these Ten Commandments, or the, the specifically, excuse me, this honoring your mother and father. We need to learn to say yes. When some, one of your parents or someone in authority over us asks you to do something and, and, and it's within your power to do it, 
we can respond with obedience. Say, yes, mom, yes, dad, I can do that. We respond by saying thank you, being grateful for all that they have done for us. As I mentioned already, your parents have sacrificed so much to get you where you are today, whether you realize it or not, and we need to be grateful for that. Third, we need to know and when it's appropriate to say I'm sorry because we have wronged our parents in the past, right? None of us are perfect. We all sin and make mistakes and that affects other people. And so we need to know it's okay to say I'm sorry. It's okay to, to reach out and ask for forgiveness. And the last one is simply hello, reaching out and maintaining that relationship, especially teenagers and, and, and adult children, you know, we need to remember as we are able to reach out and, re- and connect and maintain that relationship with our parents that they desire to see. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you so much that you have given us these commandments to uh, know what it means to relate to you and relate to others. And as we continue our conversation in the weeks to come, help us to, to live in obedience to your word. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's close and in stand in closing. Let's stand and in closing. Let's sing number the first verse of number two seventy five. How firm a foundation. reminder that our annual meeting will begin after a, a short break at the end of our service here. There is child care available next door in the ministry center. Um, so if you have children and, and you're planning on sticking around, um, this will be a great opportunity to head over there and, and drop them off and be back for our meeting. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.